News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 164 of the Luke Messias Show. Guys, today we're going to talk about property taxes in Harris County. Um, first of all, have any of you gotten your property tax appraisals? I mean, most of you should have by now. They are crazy. My house is going up. My siblings house is going up. My friend's house, the people in my church, everybody's homes are skyrocketing in their appraisal value. And it is an absolute absurd attempt at local governments to get more of your money. And this is just the reality. I have people I know whose properties have gone up a hundred, $150,000. And that is a 30 to 40% increase in the value of their home. What this means is that that government can lock in a maximum amount to get from you for your property taxes and an increase every single year. Even if you protest them and you drop them down 10%, they're still going to maximize how much more money they can take from you. And this is when we have record tax revenues from the government. It is absurd. And it's why real property tax relief has to be a priority. And more and more people have talked about it. We know that the state of Texas is going to have a near $25 billion surplus potentially. That is a massive amount of money. And what that means is that they can take a significant portion of that, if not all of it, and return it directly to you because we have this thing in the budget called the Property Tax Relief Fund. And what this does is that when the state puts money into this fund – It then goes to your school district directly, but it has to be used to actually buy down the amount that you're going to pay in property taxes. This is how it works. This is, this is the way we've designed the budget to be able to take advantage of massive amounts of money. Instead of having to grow government, we can return it directly to you and to me and to anybody else who owns a home. So if you've gotten your appraisal, this week, last week, week before, and you're sitting here going, oh my gosh, I'm going to be taxed out of my home. The good news is Republicans have no excuse for your property taxes going up. In fact, the real question should be, how much are my property taxes going down? Are they going to go down a little bit or are they going to go down a lot? And that's what they get to decide. So, Just want to make sure that each and every one of you are reminded of that fact. Also remember that most realtors, you know, I do this for quite a few people as a realtor. I'll put together some CMAs or put together the paperwork and just help them protest their property taxes. Even if, here's the truth, your property tax appraisal does not need to be near the value that your home would sell for. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, what what your home says it's worth in the appraisal district doesn't matter. It doesn't affect how much you could sell your home for. Your home will sell based on the comparative market analysis of other homes that have sold over the last two months in your general area that fit the criteria of your home. So the appraisal doesn't have to go up. The only reason for the appraisal going up is so that the government can get more of your money. You should protest that, every single one of you. Even if you just go online and fill out the paperwork and submit that to your local county. Call a realtor, call a couple realtors. Honestly, most of them can help you with this. Like I said, I do with people in Bear County and the surrounding areas. Just the process of protesting it will often at least drop it a percentage, a couple points, you know, four or five percent. So do that. Secondarily, we're going to have a conversation today about something going on in Harris County with the county judge, Lena Hidalgo. 
Now, I've asked Holly Hansen to join us because I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I don't really know what's going on. I've seen a couple headlines. I've read a couple stories about all of the controversy going on in Harris County with Lena Hidalgo and some recent indictments that were passed down. But I don't really know the information. And I'm trying to get information on these stories all the time. So I decided last week, instead of me calling around all the Houston people I know and getting together the information on what's actually happening. I'm just going to have this conversation where I find out what's going on at the same time that each and every one of you are finding out what's going on. So I'm pleased to bring Holly on. I'm glad she joined us. She uh, writes at the Texan. She also is just very focused in on Houston. There's very few right of center political reporters that actually know what's going on in Houston, report regularly on Houston. And she's one of them. She's one I follow. She's one you should consider following. And I think you'll really learn a lot. Here's why this matters. If you don't, before we go to the conversation with her, here's what why this matters even if you don't live in Houston or even the surrounding areas of Houston. Okay, Harris County is the largest county in Texas. It is larger than most of the states east of the Mississippi. I mean, honestly, I think there's like, I don't know, four Maines in Harris County. Okay, it's like five New Hampshire's or something. I don't know, three New Hampshire's. Whatever it is, it's more than those states. And so the reality is that Harris County is such a large population center at near five million people that it matters. It matters not only when it comes to our state and the direction that our state takes, but it matters regarding the policy that affects millions and millions and millions of people. And so that ends up having much broader implications than this. The other reason it matters is because there are wave elections that occur, either 2018, which was considered a blue wave, or 2010, which was considered a red wave, and a lot of in-betweens that are considered not super wavy. If this ends up being a red wave, where people are significantly voting more Republican at the top of the ballot, that will have implications down ballot. And for most of those races, state representative, county commissioner, constable, those people end up getting basically riding the wave one way or the other. They can campaign hard, they can do a lot, but they're going to be significantly affected by which direction the wave goes. Harris County will be one of those that if Republicans are going to win, they, will, they are wanting a red wave. But here's the reality. Every now and then, there's these little issues that start as little and bubble up into much bigger issues. And this current crisis going on in Harris County, this current scandal that Holly's going to run us through, has the potential to grow to mean that even though the county judge race is a low, lower down the ballot race where people honestly don't even know what a county judge does, let alone who their county judge is, but that those voters end up following a scandal like this enough to where you'll see one of these races pop out and become a bigger issue. We had the district attorney race in Dallas a number of years back that went red, even though all the other races went blue. And that was because there were particular scandalous issues there in Dallas County with the district attorney. And this could end up being the same situation. So that's another reason why it's really worthwhile kind of watching it, following it, seeing what it does. The last thing, that, and you'll hear some of this, um, I believe when we bring Holly on, which is just that the district attorney and the county judge are both Democrats, but they're not getting along too well. So these are all positive things for Texans who are concerned about the direction of our state and the direction of the largest county in our state. So with that, let's go to my conversation with Holly Hansen. Holly, thank you for jumping on and talking to me. Uh, I just told our listeners, our viewers, um, you know, basically, this is something that I have followed from a headline perspective. I've read a couple articles on it, but I really feel like I don't know what is actually going on. So you get to have a discussion with me as somebody who is just walking in from San Antonio, Texas, 
plops down into Houston, looks around, hears indictments, county judge, all these different things and says, what is going on? So treat me as if I don't really, I haven't read any headlines. I'm just hearing that a lot's going on in Houston. Why don't you tell us and me, give us a little bit of a timeline when this started and what is currently, what's the current crisis happening? What's, um, what are, what are some of the issues that are going on with the county judge there in Harris County? Sure. So, you know, there are actually two timelines that I can provide for you. One is the public knowledge of what has happened, and one is the actual timeline of what happened behind the scenes that we weren't aware of for quite some time. A little bit of background about Harris County and Commissioner's Court. In 2018, when you had the sort of Beto wave election, you had some uh, quite a number of Democrats swept into office in Harris County, which had been dominated by the Republicans on Commissioner's Court. Uh, so you had the election of a young woman by the name of Lena Hidalgo. She won with left less than 50% of the vote that year. There was a libertarian in that race as well. So that kind of helped skew things just a little bit. But once she came into office, she implemented quite a number of changes, uh, many of which are, are not very satisfying to conservatives or even those right of center, even some of those in the, in the middle here. So there's a lot going on. But in this particular case, what we're looking at is a COVID vaccine outreach contract that was awarded by the county to an entity known as Elevate Strategies. And Elevate Strategies is owned by one person. The person is a woman by the name of Felicity Perea, and we noticed last August that this one-person firm, Felicity Perea's firm, um, was operating out of an apartment in an area of Houston known as Montrose, so it's kind of a you know, kind of a sketchy lower end area in some some parts of it. Um, so there was some curiosity there. And then I looked into her background and noticed that she had been the deputy campaign manager for one of the Democrat commissioners on commissioner's court when he ran for Houston mayor, Adrian Garcia, also former sheriff of Harris County. Um, she had also worked for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, and she had worked for the Democrat National Committee but she seemed to have been a Democrat campaign strategist more than perhaps someone we would associate with, you know, health information or health outreach and those kinds of things. So that was curious to start with. And uh, we noticed that the, the contract is $10.9 million. So when we refer to it, we, we round up, right? So it's, it's about $11 million. And as we started looking into it and looking at some of the communications that were available through public information requests, we noticed a couple of things. First of all, there were a lot of communications from Judge Lena Hidalgo's staff with the purchasing agent that asked for some changes to the requirements to bid on this particular project. And these changes were things like uh, lessening the number of years of experience, uh, lessening some of the kinds of experience that they were requesting for the contract. So that all was curious. But even worse, when we got a hold of the scoring documents that the selection committee used to determine who would get the project, we found that there were four entities that bid on this project. Um, and one of them was the University of Texas Health Science Center. And in those scoring sheets, we found that the University of Texas Health Science Center had actually scored significantly higher than Felicity Perea's company and they had bid a lower cost for the project. So they bid a cost of, I believe, $7.5 million. 
And initially, Perea's bid was $19 million. So it was a lot more expensive, and uh, she didn't seem to check all the boxes. And this is even considering that on the selection committee, you had five members. There were two uh, members from the health department, and three of them were from Judge Lena Hidalgo's staff. Those three staffers are really important. They, they become big parts of this story. Um, the three members that we're mostly referring to are uh, Wallace Nader, um, also Alex Trian, it's hard to say his name, it's Trian Phyllis, and then uh, Aaron Dunn. So these three people, part of Lena Hidalgo's staff, they're communicating with the purchasing agent, a lot of questions. Well, you know, there was an outcry, and in September, Lena Hidalgo announced that it had become too politicized and she would be canceling the contract. A few weeks later, at a commissioner's court meeting, they have a vote, they cancel the contract. But there were so many questions about what had happened there and how this woman had come to receive this lucrative contract that there was a grand jury assembled by the Democrat district attorney here in Harris County. And they started looking into the matter more thoroughly. Um, Grand jury investigations, as some of your listeners may know, are supposed to be secret, but there were some leaks and a lot of us uh, found out what was going on there. And uh, it's one of those things where they're they're supposed to be secret, but the important ones never are. Right. 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 Yes. <laughs> well, and once they issued subpoenas, then things really started to, to get a little crazy here in the news. So they subpoenaed not only all five members of the commissioner's court, but quite a number of staffers and some of the vendors that had bid on the project, including uh, Felicity Perea herself. Now, for a subpoena, you don't, you know, there's there's questions, right? But it's not necessarily uh, the same as a search warrant. But um, it seems as though the individual subpoenaed maybe were not giving all of the information that was being requested by the grand jury. So this year, the grand jury worked with the Texas Rangers. And they actually executed some search warrants and went down to the county offices and they seized computers and phones from the three staff members that I mentioned earlier. Um, then at, once those were executed, then they posted the affidavits that were used to obtain the search warrants. And that's where we get some pretty big bombshells. What we discovered from those search warrants, and keep in mind, I just want to clarify, these are these are search warrants, these are allegations, and they look pretty solid, but they still need to be proven in a court of law. So I just want to clarify that. But um, in the search warrants, we find communications between these three staffers with Lena Hidalgo and with Felicity Perea, the woman who eventually gets this contract. It yep. sounds like they were actually creating a project. It says they were looking for some kind of work for Felicity. So it gives the impression that this, this program was created specifically for her. It also looks like they were communicating with her and getting her input on how to write the scope of the project. That's the job description uh, for the vendor to bid on. So there, there's some back and forth there. That, you know, uh, leads to some of the charges we're going to come to in, in a few minutes here. Um, we also see that after the scoring takes place, you see one of these staffers, Trian Phyllis, telling another one of these staffers who's on the uh, selection committee that the thing with UT has gotten out of hand and they need to, quote, slam the door shut on UT. 
Um, we do have communications later that they communicated to the uh, purchasing agent that uh, UT needed to be disqualified because they had supposedly underperformed on another project. So yeah, there's some, there's some very interesting things that come out in these search warrants. And then last week, the grand jury did move to indict those three staffers. They've each been indicted on two felony charges. The charges are tampering with government record and misuse of official information. Um, it's also important to note that the grand jury has uh, not been dismissed yet. They are still operating. Um, we don't know what else they will find. There are you know, still those uh, materials that they confiscated from the county. We assume that they are kind of combing through those because you know, there were the things that were listed in the search warrant affidavits, but obviously they were looking for more and we don't know what else they were looking for or what they found. But uh, we assume that we'll be finding out soon. Now there are more twists to this. Um, so last week when the indictments were handed down, we have another wrinkle where these indictments fell into the court of a judge by the name of Natalia Cornelio. There are 23 courts that the cases could have fallen into, but uh, supposedly randomly they went to this particular court. And this could be a real problem because this judge used to serve as the legal counsel for or legal advisor uh, for a Democrat county commissioner by the name of Rodney Ellis. And she also has accepted campaign donations from Lena Hidalgo's legal counsel, as well as Lena Hidalgo's criminal defense attorney um, uh, prior to being elected. Um, but she also took campaign donations from Felicity Perea, uh, who is the woman who was awarded this contract. And she worked with one of the defendants uh, with a criminal justice policy institute. So, you know, there are a lot of concerns about her ability to be impartial in this case. Uh, I believe we will see a moval to recuse. Hopefully she will recuse herself, but uh, we're waiting to see what happens there. That'll be interesting to follow. And, you know, we, we have some other concerns. We found out last weekend that the day that Lena Hidalgo announced that she would be canceling this contract, Felicity Perea was paid uh, $539,000 that day. And a week <laughs> later, she was paid another $838,000. We do know the county paid somewhere between $1.2 and $1.4 million to this entity. Some of it has been recollected, but uh, we're not sure that the county will have all of the money returned at this point. So let's talk about the implications. One of the things I told my, my viewers and listeners before this conversation was the reason this matters, because uh, we've got you know thousands of listeners all across the state of Texas. So if you're in East Texas or West Texas or Bear County or Travis County or Dallas, the reason this matters is because it's the largest county in Texas. It is one that is going to be competitive in November. Republicans are going to try to win. And so these policy decisions and the uh, indictments and the legal troubles will have an effect on Democrats in November, right? So when we get into what what is the local relationship between the district attorney and the judge? Was it good before this? Is it seen as still okay? Has it always not been great? Well, what's the situation there? 
I'd suggest that it has always not been okay. It's an interesting right. dynamic here in Harris County because you, although you have a Democrat occupying the uh, district attorney's office and a Democrat occupying the county judge's office, they seem to be at odds with each other over a slew of issues. And some of your listeners may be aware, we are having a, a horrendous crime spike in the Houston Harris County region. We are second only to Chicago, I believe, for homicides this year. And a part of the issue is, uh, I wouldn't say a defunding of law enforcement, but perhaps an underfunding and unwillingness to, to maintain a funding increase with the population growth. But also, more importantly, we have quite a few judges in Harris County who are releasing defendants, repeat violent de defendants on low bail. Sometimes it's not even that low, but we've even had capital murder suspects released on bail. And Judge Lena Hidalgo is, is more a part of this kind of uh, extreme criminal justice reform where they oppose, you know, bail for, um, for defendants. They, they believe in, you know, releasing most people uh, prior to conviction. Um, and the DA is actually tougher on crime than the uh, county commissioner so, or the county judge. So there has been some conflict. The district attorney has frequently been at commissioner's court begging for more funding for prosecutors to move these cases through. And she has been very vocal about these judges releasing uh, def violent defendants. She testified before the uh, state legislature last year. So there has been a clash prior to this. Um, so it's it's really not too surprising that the uh, the Democrat district attorney would move to go ahead and, and hold this investigation, involve the Texas Rangers and try to get to the bottom of what's happening. You do see a lot of conflict within the Democrat Party here in Harris County, which is an interesting new twist to what's going on. But I would what, say what that are, no, what are sure. some of the things that uh, I want to get to what Lena has said. But before we get there. With, with that, what are other local Democrats saying? Because again, you're going to have some Democrats who say, me being tied to Lena with these issues, it's going to affect my election. And everyone wants to do well if you're a Democrat. So are you seeing the Democrats locally start to kind of form their camps? Has there been any surprises? Anybody who you would think is in one camp who ends up in the other for when it comes to local Democrats and the statements they're making? Well, I think the biggest one, of course, would be the district attorney. She's not on the ballot this yep. year, but uh, Kim Ogg has, you know, she hasn't publicly come out and, and you know, opposed Lena Hidalgo in the election. Uh, interestingly enough, in 2020, uh, kind of the, the Rodney Ellis faction of Harris County, as, as we might call it, ran an uh, a, a primary opponent against Kim Ogg because they wanted someone who was a little more left on those criminal justice reforms, and she lost. There was also a uh, primary challenger for Lena Hidalgo. In fact, there were a couple of them. The most notable one was a woman by the name of Erica Davis, but Lena Hidalgo easily won her primary election. However, since then, I think her approval numbers have been dropping. Um, uh, there's a, a professor at Rice University who often speaks about, you know, some of the polling numbers. And there was a recent poll from the Hispanic community showing that her approval numbers were in the low 30s, uh, somewhere close to uh, Joe Biden. So, uh, you know, that could be a real problem for her. I would say that Harris County now is what we might call a light blue county even though Hidalgo won with less than 50% of the vote in 2018, I, I'd say it's moved a little more left. However, this public safety issue is huge. And you've probably seen the news, you know, we had a, a shooting at the Galleria over the weekend, you know, and, um, 
you know, you're just seeing more and more crime in places you wouldn't expect it. It's not just, you know, the lower socioeconomic neighborhoods and that kind of thing. It's more the affluent neighborhoods and affluent areas that were, you know, a big draw for shoppers and tourists and so forth. So, I mean, that's affecting everyone, um, you know, and, and so even people who might be usually favorable to Lena Hidalgo and Democrats are not happy with the criminal justice problem or with the, the crime problem here and what's happening in the, the criminal justice system in Harris County. And, you know, the person that they're, they're looking at the most, I think, is the uh, county judge. I mean, she's, for those who are not aware, it's it's kind of like the chief executive of the county, almost like a mayor of the county. And yep. so there's a lot of power there. Um, we, when yeah. it comes to Lena, what has she specifically said on this issue? She's, yes. I, I know she came out with a statement. So what is, how is she positioning herself during this crisis? And this will yeah. be the last question we asked. Thank you so okay. much, Holly, for coming on and kind of overviewing some of the stuff that's going on. I do think it's incredibly relevant, but tell us kind of how is Lena positioning herself within this discussion and current crisis she finds herself in? Yeah, so. She uh, she says that these communications were taken out of context. Uh, she also referred to them as private communications. And she said, <laughs> you know, that they've done nothing wrong. And she looks forward to having her name cleared. Uh, some of the defendants, their attorneys have also said, you know, they look forward to their day in court. But it, it's really hard to get past the things that are in those search warrant affidavits and those communications. And I'd like to just make one more point about all of this. You know, this is local, but it's also should bring up some broad concerns about how a lot of these federal COVID funds have been spent. Um, You know, where is the accountability? You know, these these are huge burdens for taxpayers. And, you know, this isn't just Harris County. These funds have gone to local entities across the state of Texas and across the nation. And people ought to be asking questions about how some of these executives with emergency powers uh, and a lot of times uh, are able to just award these very lucrative contracts. Who are they going to? Do they really have an effect? Are the taxpayers getting their money's worth? No, I think those are great questions to ask, Holly. It's a good thing to remind Texans that uh, one, our state is huge, which is why we're better than all the other states that ever existed. But the reality is that Harris County itself in population is more than most states east of the Mississippi. I mean, like if you, whatever you're going to name out there, it's like, yeah, that's a fourth of Harris County. That's half of Harris County. That's one sixth. And so the sheer level of governance that goes on within this small geographical area within Texas is massive. The amount of money that they're spending. I mean, these counties have as much of a budget as some of you know the state legislatures, maybe it's not quite that much, but it's just a massive amount of people that they are governing and the policy implications of what they make and the lives they affect are huge. It's the largest county in Texas. Um, if you live in the Houston area, I would encourage you, and if you're one of our listeners or viewers, I just wanna encourage you to follow Holly. She's on Twitter. She's constantly reporting on these issues. It's important that you know what's going on at the local level. So please consider engaging. Holly, thank you for coming on and having this discussion with us. Um, You know, we want to have discussions around the state that are relevant. And it's important that you as a Texan know that some of these issues that are going on at the local level really do affect and have broader implications at a state level. If Harris County goes red in November, it will send pretty significant shockwaves and it will affect a massive amount of governance that happens. One of the things that COVID taught all of us was the amount of power that a county judge has. We're going to be having a discussion. I'll preview with y'all here with Tim O'Hare, 
upcoming on the Luke Messiah show. And he is a county judge, a candidate in Tarrant County who recently won his primary against a more moderate alternative and is going to be replacing a county judge who fell in line a lot with the COVID mandates that went on. And this is somebody who has a very conservative track record on property tax issues, on local governance. And so the question that we're going to be asking you and posing to you is how important is the county judge? And then why should we care? And it's really worth rejoicing when we do have more conservative-minded individuals who are now going to govern large counties in Texas because they have a massive amount of power. Even Republicans in Collin County or Montgomery County were governed very differently than Republicans who live in Williamson County or Tarrant County or Denton County because they had completely different county governance structures. So these are the things that then become really important, which is why when somebody's running for county commissioner or county judge in your small, medium, or large county, it becomes really important. Uh, I'm grateful that Holly came on and joined us today. I'm grateful that y'all are continuing to view these conversations, to listen to these conversations, and ask that you share them, especially with people in the Houston area that are um, not aware of what's going on. This should help give them a lot of context. Thank you, Holly, again, for coming on and giving us so much content um, and context to what's going on there in Harris County. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas.